celebrating female role models across our community, live from Cary Baptist Grammar in Melbourne, Australia. You're listening to Be Like Her Live on Cary Live. Welcome everyone, live from Cary Grammar in Melbourne, Australia. You are listening to Be Like Her Live on Cary Live. My name is Rose Johnston and my co-hosts are Charlie, Emma and Eliza. Our special guest today is the wonderful, amazing, spectacular Ingrid Martin. Hi Ingrid, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, I'm happy to be here. Now to start off, we're going to ask you a little question. You say that you're a self-proclaimed coffee snob. What are your recommendations for coffee around Melbourne for some of our older viewers? Oh, well, it depends what kind of coffee you like. So I love a filter coffee. Uh, so you have to really go to the right place for that. But if you want a more old school Italian kind of coffee, which is really how coffee began in Melbourne, then you could probably take your pick of most places. That sounds very nice. Ingrid, can I ask who or what first introduced you to the world of music? Wow. Well, it was probably my parents. So I remember being really little at home and watching kind of concerts on TV and there used to be um, this broadcast of the New Year's Day concert from the Vienna Philharmonic and I remember my dad in particular kind of pointing out different instruments, particularly the French horns, which, you know, to me at that age looked like little golden snails and I was like, oh, that's a French horn. And I kind of did some music lessons when I was in primary school here at Cary and then when I was in Year 7, um, I got asked if I wanted to do another instrument again and I remembered the shiny snails and I said I wanted to play French horn and that was sort of really when things took off for me with music. So uh, the French horn, so you started off playing the French horn because it looked like a golden snail. What, apart from that, what do you love about the French horn? I really love the sound of the instrument. I think it's really beautiful and noble and sounds a lot like the human voice and I guess it also features in lots of really amazing film soundtracks and big orchestra pieces and so I probably even though I didn't know it at the time heard lots of French horn in you know Star Wars and all of those kind of classics. You know that you trained as a doctor um, what was it like moving from such an academic and traditional occupation to one like conducting? Well I actually started conducting before year 12 so uh, my music teacher, when I was at Cary, Roland Young, suggested that I go to um, a summer camp that was for conductors and it was specifically for people that were at the end of high school or just starting uni that we might be interested. And that was where I got bitten by the bug <laughs> of conducting, got interested in it. But when I kind of came back to school in year 12, I was also loved science and I knew I wanted to help people and I just couldn't decide between music and medicine. So I did medicine but I kept the music going on the side the whole time so yeah. I was always doing a bit of both and uh, when I kind of shifted from medicine to music it was quite different because medicine can be very hierarchical and there's lots of rules and you know, these people that are more experienced and more senior than you can wear a jacket in the hospital, but you can't wear a jacket because you're like a lowly little intern or resident. Um, and, you know, it's lots of following procedures and rules, but there's also a lot of, I guess, improvisation, if you like, in medicine because you're trying to solve problems on the spot. And music, as it turns out, is also about solving problems on the spot, just different kind of problems. Yeah less life-threatening <laughs> if you were just tuning in you are listening to be like her live on Kerry live live from Kerry grammar in melbourne my name is rose and my co-host are charlie emma and eliza and our special guest today is the wonderful ingrid martin 
And in your time working in medicine, what was your favorite part? Oh, that's a great question. I think my favorite part was seeing whatever it was that I was doing make an impact and make a difference in someone and seeing that change in their facial expression or them saying, you know, thank you, that really helped me. So I worked in the emergency department a lot. And so in a way that was really good because you see lots of people and you hopefully get to have a positive impact with those people. Um, and, you you know, you, you get a few of those interactions every day. But sometimes in the emergency department, something might be really wrong and that person doesn't get to go home. They have to go back into the hospital. And so you're kind of sending them on the next part of their journey. But you also know that whoever's the next step on that journey is hopefully going to help them more and they'll be feeling better about what's going on for them. And do you think your time working in the ER has taught you things that you take have taken into your music career? Yeah, I think it's helped me be... Uh, a little bit less serious about what goes on in music because music, you know, particularly people who work to the point where they're a professional musician, it's a very competitive industry. They've worked very hard and sacrificed a lot and it's easy for us to take, you know, some symphony or some piece of music really, really seriously. But having worked in a context where it is actually life and death, you can say, well, if you play a wrong note, no one's going to die. You know, the most important thing is that we try and give a good experience to the audience so I think that element of not not taking it too seriously but also being able to be calm under pressure because the way that you get trained in medicine someone on the outside might go oh my gosh it must be so stressful to work in the emergency department but you get trained to deal with how to respond to all those different problems so you don't actually feel that stressed out when you're there and someone comes in with a heart attack or a broken leg or car crash or whatever it is because you've been trained how to do that and you're going through the procedures that you've learned and everyone around you is usually pretty calm as well unless it's something ultra ultra unusual or highly stressful and so in music we can have lots of our own little emergencies and disasters and having had that experience in the hospital of nope it's okay we'll be fine is really helpful when you're the leader as a conductor on the podium and you've got 80 people looking at you with rabbit in the headlight eyes and going oh my gosh what's going to happen now that you can go okay it's all right we'll be fine we're going to get through this if you had one piece of advice for young musicians what would it be I think it would be to try and enjoy yourself as much as possible because, as I said, I think in music training we can spend so much time on trying to get something right and that's good but the reason that, you know, a composer or a songwriter wrote a piece of music was to express some kind of feeling and feelings are not so black and white as right or wrong. There's lots of different ways that you could play a particular piece of music or sing a song and trying to find the way that means you can personally connect with the message and the story of that piece um, is the best start that I think anyone could have in music. Um, so as a conductor, do you feel like you lead the orchestra? That's an interesting question. I guess most people look at the conductor and think that the conductor is being the boss and leading the orchestra, but really it's a bit more of a dance in terms of who is in charge because sometimes there'll be moments in the music where the there might be one particular soloist and 
they are the thing that everyone else in the orchestra is listening to and whatever they do, I have to follow them. Or there'll be times when the orchestra just does something and no matter what I do, I can't change it. Like I'm trying to make them slow down and no one's going with me. So it, whoever is the leader kind of changes from moment to moment in a way. If you could, would you work as both a conductor and a doctor? Now I don't think I would, especially during COVID, um, seeing what my medical colleagues have gone through, which has been so, so tough over the last few years. I would not, I think, want to go back into that particular arena. So I'm very lucky that I get to just stick to music now and I think I would just keep a hold of that. You mentioned previously that you played the French horn. What was your relationship like with like playing an instrument rather than conducting? I loved playing music at school. I loved being, particularly being in the ensembles with everyone at school. That was where like all my friends were and I liked being able to play in groups with people of all different ages and new levels and still that's something that, you know, I do now and it's really a special feeling I think to be the one making the sound and having that very real connection with the sound that's coming out of the instrument and feeling like you're really giving something to the audience. As a conductor, you're a bit one step removed because obviously you don't make any sound and you're trying to do all these weird physical dance moves to try and help the other people who are playing the instruments make the sound that then goes to the audience. So, yeah, they're a slightly different thing, but I do love actually having the instrument in my hand. Growing up, who was your biggest inspiration in the musical world or in the medical world? I don't think I really had an inspiration that was one person in the medical world specifically. It was more, it seemed like a cool altruistic profession. In music, I would have to say my um, main kind of music teacher here, Roland Young, who was the head of music when I was at school, was really like my first big inspiration because I loved watching him conduct and I thought he was a great teacher and leader and I had him for classroom music as well and he was really the one that kind of put me on that uh, conducting journey. Um, so on a completely different note, was there a stage at your childhood that you realised boys and girls might have been treated slightly differently? I don't think I thought about that gender divide very much when I was a kid. The one time when it did come up for me was when I was in primary school and, and I was doing cricket as my summer sport and I did that I think it was in grade five and then in grade six for some reason they changed the rules and said that there couldn't be a mixed cricket team and so then I had to go and play softball which I didn't like <laughs> and that really frustrated me because there weren't enough girls that wanted to do cricket and I remember thinking oh well that's not really that's not really fair that that the boys get to play that sport and I can't and I also didn't see any reason why we couldn't do it together because we had been doing it together and it had been fine. But apart from that, most of the time coming up through school and growing up, I just assumed that anyone could do anything, which was probably naive, but it, I guess it helped in the beginning. And having this experience as a young person, were there any female role models that you started to look up to after you kind of had that click? Uh, when I first started conducting, the main uh, female conductor that I'd heard of was Simone Young, who's an Australian conductor. She's now the chief conductor of Sydney Symphony. And she was working in Australia um, at the time and then 
she left, she was a head of music at Opera Australia and she left that job and went overseas because she'd sort of had problems. And then after she left, there really wasn't a, a female conductor in the professional scene in Australia. And so that was a bit sad. I had to kind of keep following her career from afar and it was before YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and, you know, you just sort of see something in a newspaper or go and look something up in the library. So she was one of my first female role models. And then I had to work pretty hard to find other people because there weren't that many people doing conducting women that were in a public space that it was easily accessible and easy to see as someone who wanted to come up in that path. Um, if you were just tuning in, uh, you are listening to Be Like Hi Live on Kerry Live, live from Kerry Grammar in Melbourne. My name is Rose and my co-hosts are Charlie, Emma and Eliza and we are our guest today is the wonderful Ingrid Martin. What was your musical experience like at Kerry and did that help you at all in your career? I know you talked about it a little before but just if you could go into more depth then that would be great. Yeah, well I started actually doing violin in primary school at Kerry and I enjoyed that, but it was really the French horn that I fell in love with when I started in year seven in the kind of compulsory program where everyone had to do something. And I did both for a while and that was really good because I got insights into being a string player versus being a brass player, which once you get into sort of being in an orchestra are two very different worlds and they're also two very different kind of techniques on those instruments. And one of the things that the conductor has to have is an understanding of all of the different instruments in the group and what they're challenges are and so that you know when you're looking over to someone playing the clarinet and they look like they're really scared that you know oh well, that's because that's a really hard bit and like I can be empathetic and try and help them as much as possible with that hard thing but if I don't know that that's a hard bit in the clarinet I might be like why are you looking like that at me that's weird <laughs> so one of the things I got to do at Kerry was just explore lots of different instruments. So I played trombone in the jazz band and I used to ask the music teachers if I could take home different instruments during the holidays. So at one holidays I took home a saxophone and another holidays I took home a tuba and I used to, you know, pick up the double bass and play with that and I know I probably played drums in something. So just being able to um, be curious and try lots of different things was probably one of the most critical things that has helped me now as a conductor that I can empathize with the different people playing different instruments in the group what's your like favorite favorite part about being a conductor like what's your favorite feeling of conducting the best feeling is when you can feel like everyone in the group is really doing their absolute best that you have helped create an atmosphere where everyone feels safe and comfortable to do that and especially if it's a big dramatic moment in the music that's really exciting and you can just feel like everyone is trying to make that excitement together and you can feel that the audience in the room is also being moved by the musical story that you're trying to tell and you feel like everyone's on the same page, that's pretty hard to beat. And working in the medical industry and being a conductor of an orchestra, that must require a lot of leadership skills. In Carrie, did you take on any leadership roles or do any of the carry leadership programs? Yeah, I was pretty interested in leadership from early on. So I did um, SRC in middle school and I did music captain in middle school and then music captain and prefect in senior school. So I got lots of opportunities to do lead, lead in different ways and 
I was involved in the musical a lot in lots of different ways. And in when I was in year 12, I got to stage manage, which was really cool, um, getting to see a completely different side of the show. And that was a pretty big responsibility. I remember one time when something went a bit wrong and it was my fault that I missed this lighting cue. It was a very dramatic moment in the show and someone had just died and all of the lights were supposed to turn out and I was... I was on my microphone and saying, you know, do this lighting cue, turn the lights out over and over again and the lights were still on and it was because my my microphone pack was on mute. And um, so I did have quite a lot of responsibility, which I probably didn't realise how much until things went wrong in that moment. So that was a really awesome learning experience and um, I also got to conduct one of the musicals, the middle school musical when I was in year 12 um, and that was a pretty special experience that really... Yeah, it got me on the conducting path. Well, uh, that's actually all the time we have for today. Thank you so much, Ingrid. It has been such a wonder talking to you. I think we can all agree. Um, live from Kerry Live in Melbourne, Australia, you have been listening to Be Like I Live on Kerry Live. My name is Rose Johnston and my co-hosts are Charlie, Emma and Eliza. And once again, it has been a joy having you. So, yeah. Thank you so much. Celebrating female role models across our community, live from Cary Baptist Grammar School in Melbourne, Australia, you're listening to Be Like Her Live on Cary Live.